let's get today started. Oh, it's 10 o'clock. I'm running late. Usually I don't run late, but when I do, it's for a good reason. So I've got to go all the way to Porterville, California, which is about almost four, four hours away. Come back, go to Visalia, then Fresno, and then back to Stockton, and hopefully I'll be in time for my daughter's swim meet. You know, today's a jam-packed day. Got to get a lot of done, a lot of things done for my work. So, if you haven't, I'm not a trucker. I just, in my legal work, I do lots of different things. So, um, yeah, driving is like a big part of my day, and I put a lot of miles on my car every year, like 158,000 in two years. So, that'll tell you how much I've put on. Most of it's all been work miles, you know. So, definitely thinking about getting another car, you know, um, yeah, that's really on my mind, you know, like, this car is treating me so well, I drive a 2015 Nissan Sentra and it's a stick, and let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it is an amazing car on gas, it's pretty roomy, so if you have a family of four, you have more than enough room, unless you're some big ass people that, you know, you need extra, extra space, then... I have no control, and I'm not here to offend you. I'm just saying it like it is. So, with that thought in mind, you know, I have appreciation for my car and how well it treats me. And uh, I've done all my oil changes, changed the brakes, changed the tires, and uh, let's just say um, I've got to do the other things that uh, need to be done, you know, like spark plugs, belts, hoses. That's coming up this year. And, oh yeah, a new room for the car. So anyway, I'm going through the randomness shit of my my morning. So, uh, I was just listening to Ali Moon. I was listening to Maddie Moe, uh, Strong Body, Strong Mind with Maria Humphreys. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, people that are just kind of like the top of my list that I listen to in the morning. Um, I will be probably listening shortly here to live. We live on a pad planet with Patrick as well as the crazy Asian um, I listen to him every so often um, you know uh, he has a lot of insight for uh, job search job finding recruitment and all that good stuff so if you need help with that he is uh, you know definitely the the one to go seek for that anyhow um I was listening to my voice and I was like, oh man, I really sound freaking boring, you know, and, but I was like, okay, it's the only voice I got, what am I going to do with it, you know, so I was watching on YouTube voice training lessons, you know, like how announce, you know, you would think that announcers just have this natural given gift on like announcing and stuff, but they don't. And I was listening to Ant Capone yesterday. He was talking about how he's following on YouTube, how to create a YouTube presence and presentation, you know, basically learning how to use YouTube right, you know, as far as making your own episodes on YouTube. So I, that's definitely on my list. You know, there's all these things that I'd like to do. And that, I guess maybe that's the topic of the day. You know, what would you like to get to and what have 
what has gotten in the way, you know, like your procrastination. Like, for example, I know a lot of people say, I need to learn Spanish. I'd love to learn the guitar. I would love to learn how to rock climb. I would love to learn how to surf. I really should put more time on researching how to do finance so that I can better myself and not be so bogged down on bills. Whatever it may be, if you say, you're saying I should, then you must. It's pretty much that simple. Um, I like what Louise Hayes says about that. God rest her soul. Um, eliminate the word should out of your language. And to be honest with you, I never thought about the implications of should. <clears throat> because if it's a should and not a must, it's kind of like you're leaving it in the pending file of all of the things that you would benefit you to do. So one of the big things that I got finished today and I finally mailed it off is my insurance form for my kids. I'm sorry, kids. I love you to death, but dad is locked, you know, so I need to send, definitely sent that in. So their health coverage is there. And then today I really do need to get on top of my student loan um, negotiation. So I've got a form, you know, so that's just like something that I must do, you know, and it will be done. It's on my agenda. And with the must, um, I, I like the word must because it, it just the sound of it sounds like intentional force that it's going to be done. You know, I must do this. It is important enough to me that affects many others. And, um, yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to come back in just a moment here and take a brief little break while I do a couple things. And I'll be right back. And we're back. Okay. So, what are we? what's on the list of topics for the day since I'm driving? Um. Okay, so last stop, I was just talking to somebody about, you know, kids and why they don't want to listen. I've talked about this issue before, but um, uh, there are methods that are definitely working that I've picked up from other educational parents that have better ways of doing things than I do. Um, so, all my life, I grew up with threat and name-calling. You know, my mom would call me an asshole, call me a prick, call me all these things as a little boy and still does today, still does to this day. Kind of sick if you ask me. And, and mindful manipulation. Now, um, what I've learned is that's a pattern. That's something that's taught from generation to generation, generation, and also as an impulse from generation to generation. Like, if you don't do this, well, I guess I have to take this away. So, how do we stop the cycle and get the actual things done where they will do it willingly? You know, and I'm gonna give one of my helpful tips that probably um, I was just explaining to uh, one of the business people I was dealing with of what would really, really work better. So, um, they were basically saying, well, if you don't want to listen to me, I guess I have to take your phone away. Instead of saying it, you know, it's a threat of manipulation. 
See, kids can manipulate the situation in their favor too. Sometimes we're just not paying attention, we've got busy lives, but it's a cycle of, or teeter-totter of manipulation. And so what do we do? Well, you initiate action without explanation, which is, I guess you, I would have to say, a big deal. So here's what I'm doing for my situation and my, my kids. So my kid was acting up the other day, the other weekend when she came over, my 10-year-old, and she was getting pissy, you know. Oh, actually, no, it was the weekend before. So she brought her um, her tablet over from her mom's house. And every time she does, she gets an attitude. It's like, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. It's not important, you know. And then it's like, stomp the ground, uh, throw a tantrum and a fit. Like, okay, like that's going to make a difference to me when I'm telling, giving her an instruction. But in her mind, she thinks that that is leveraging and getting me to back off when it really doesn't. And I think all most parents can sympathize with this, this action. So here's what I, I started doing. I told her only one time, do not bring your electronics over my house. You're showing your responsibility. I don't want it over my house. Tell your mom, I'll tell your mom, do not bring it over my house. You know, simple as that. Left the instruction. Next weekend she comes over. And what do I find? I find an iPad. Or iPod, excuse me. I took it away. You know, because I asked her, hey, can you go fold your clothes? I need you to help me put these clothes away. You know, we have a big basket of laundry between her and I of clothes that just need to be put away. And I'm a big stickler about that because, like, I hate... I used to be that lazy guy that I would leave my laundry in a basket for days on end and do the smell test and then shit would get on the ground and then you just get it all cluttered and you just don't feel good about yourself. So as soon as my laundry's done, fold and hang right then and there. I don't waste time because I don't want to do it, deal with it later. Who does? I, I've heard many of people on here is like, oh, like the, like the, two worst things to have to do in a household no three excuse me is one clean the bathroom and that includes the toilet and shower because that's some nasty ass places if you ask me yes I'm talking about myself too and two is the laundry you know I most people and dishes like in the Mexican culture we have dishwashers but most of the time what we use the dishwasher for is to store our clean dishes so, but I don't do that anymore. I don't use the dishwasher to store my dirty dish, my clean dishes. I put them up, do it old school. I have a dish rack right on top of the counter as soon as they're dry, or I have a handy uh, hand towel, wipe them off, dry them off, put them away. Who the fuck wants to deal with clutter on the, on the counters, you know? But laundry is tedious and long because it takes more seconds to fold something you know, and put away something like whether it be underwear, pants, whatever it may be, or shirts, you know, I fold my clothes still to this day, the Navy way still do most efficient way of folding and stowing away clothes is the way that I do it. And I don't have to iron as much unless it's something that I got to hang. So my kid, so getting back to the moral of the story, my kid was like, okay, I got this laundry basket, I need you to do this, and then I catch her on her iPod. Wasn't mad, 
grabbed it out of her hands and said, okay, I have it. It's not going to be here this weekend. I'll make sure that I call your mom. I'll meet with her and I'll drop it off with her. And the biggest temper tantrum um, I, I could see is my daughter screamed and yelled. And I'm like, are you screaming at me right now? And she's all, no. And I'm like, are you screaming or throwing or whining like a little baby? Yes or no? And then she goes, yes. Okay. So let me ask you, did I ask you the previous weekend, don't bring your electronics over until you can show me that you can be responsible and follow my instructions. What did I instruct you? You told me not to bring it. What'd you do? You brought it. Okay. So, I don't want to see it for the rest of the whole summer. Just don't. And she got quiet. She said, well, if I start, I'm like, if you want to start, that's great of doing your things because it benefits you. But if you're just doing it to get your iPod back, no, you're not. But you're still going to do it. And if you don't continue to follow my instructions, there will be more things. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to warn you. So what did she do? She went and started folding her clothes and putting them away and making her bed. And she comes back to me and says, can I get my iPad back? No, you cannot. But thank you for putting away your stuff. And she goes, why? I did what you said. I'm all, you did what I said after the fact. So I'm trying to teach you that when you have responsibilities and must in your life, take care of those first. Don't procrastinate. Don't leave it on the shelf for later. Some things you got to, but most of the time, no. And so she got pissed. And I'm like, look, you're more behaved and you're more fun to be around when you don't have all that stuff. You don't need an iPod. You don't need an iPad. And that's why I have not fixed her iPad to this day. So she's kind of mad, if you ask me. She's, she's mad about, you know, that she thinks that she can get over on me. And I'm like, no. This is to teach you to be a responsible, responsible person. So every day that she's been with me, she makes her bed. She folds her clothes. She helps me doing the dishes. And she doesn't ask again. The only part of that I would have to say it's manipulation is that I told her after the summer. So I gave her a consequence of a timeline of when you can get your rights back. So, but to be honest with you, I don't want it over my house. So if you have those, if you have a child, and I'm thinking that a lot of people in here do, you have kids, and you, take, and you threaten to take away, and not just take away, what is your follow through, and what is the mission that you want to accomplish for the behavior that you want to eliminate? It's a big deal, if you ask me want them to be a better human being, but what are you giving them to make them less of a human being? Giving them electronics, equipment, you know, like I was talking about, does exactly that. It takes away from their persons. And they shut down when they don't know how to do anything. So, it's better to teach them the manual things than electronic things. 
Well, that's my little segment for at the moment, and I'm going to take a brief little break. Thanks a lot. And we're back again, so thanks for listening to this, some of uh, some of my uh, favorited salsa songs. Yeah, I'm getting back into salsa. Um, so this uh, this part of the segment is called Salsa and Dancing and Why It's Beneficial. Uh, so about, probably about, what was it, 15 years ago, I got into salsa dancing and music. So I wanted something to do then more than to find a woman, obviously. Then instead of going to a hip-hop club and dealing with the same fucking shit, if you know what I mean, like it's just, it's people, it regular modern American clubs, people don't dance with each other. They, there's no real connection other than let's bump and grind, let's stick it in, get it in, get it over with, and next, or some people are thinking like, oh man, I want to meet someone, I'm going to get myself out there, and I'm going to come across that guy or girl that is going to make my world worth living for. You know, that's just a brief little example. So anyway, I, I found Salsa as like sexy as like exotic it was alluring and I was like all these women I'm Mexican American they were come from all different walks of life didn't matter you know mostly the Latinas were there but you know there's white Asian black it doesn't matter so but just the hip movements the footwork the guy leads the dance which you know in in our world, you know, people call me chauvinistic or male, you know, whatever, pro, whatever. I'm just going to say like this. It's just the natural chemistry and order of things. And when we dance together, when a man leads and a woman follows, yet she infuses her creativity, um, it just makes an amazing experience. So... Um, at first I was in it for the girls, so I really sucked in the beginning. It took me like, I don't know, years. It took me a couple years to really practice and going dancing a lot, taking a lot of lessons. But then I started just letting it flow, like letting it come out of me. And I was just like, wow, I can do this, you know? And there were a couple parties where my family saw me and they're like, oh yeah, your tata used to... He was like, he could dance with a beer glass on top of his head or wine glass on top of his head and da 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 I was like, that's amazing because I love my Tata. He was, he was an amazing man. You know, Tata in Spanish for us is a grandfather. So, anyhow. Um, so, I met a lot of, I would have to say, majority of my relationships all through salsa dancing. And there's this thing called the kundalini it's the center of you basically where your core is but when you stir that up you know metaphorically your spirit's stirred up and it you know there's a lot of people will say you know you need to dance and play because most of our lives are so strict so hardcore so formulated that we are just like G.I. Joe figures. We can't bend at the ass, we can bend the knees and the arms, and we just walk straight in line doing whatever. So, for me, you know, it got past a point where I was just, you know, not wanting just to meet girls, but I was chasing a feeling, a rush, a connection. And when you learn to dance, it's like a cockiness, too, that you, you just express in creativity. 
you know, everyone can do the same turns, same kind of hand movements, whatever, but every movement in your sequence is individually created by you and your own mind. So uh, if you've never tried salsa dancing ever, or some people like bachata, some people like merengue, um, you know, or kisoba or souk, you know, these are the, some of the Latin dances that are out there that a lot of people are into, and it is a scene. And this is the beautiful thing about salsa dancing. It doesn't matter if you look hot or not. It's can you move and you not give a fuck about how you look doing it. It's just go and have fun. You're playing. And that's an important thing, I think. You know, we, we got so many problems working on our brains that where is the real relief? So dancing for three minutes and 20 seconds per song does that. When we're connected, it also lets us have free flow of attraction. And I've got to say, my my girlfriend or my recent ex-girlfriend, she's the most beautiful woman woman I've ever met in my life. I've dated some beautiful women in my time, but um, she's she's just extraordinary. And yeah, but there were times we really connected well on dancing and then there was a time we just stopped and I think that's where we really went wrong is like we stopped dancing together and hopefully maybe someday soon maybe it all you know reconnect so just got to get through these emotional things and get through the obstacles that are in our way but anyway getting back to the point of the story is I met an amazing woman I met amazing women I should say doing what I do best, you know, and that is, you know, I love uh, salsa music, and it, uh, it just brings a joy to my heart, you know, and I've kind of forgotten that, I've been stuck in this lull, I haven't been wanting to go out dancing, because I miss my partner, you know, and uh, that's the thing, is, is like in dancing, once you find that right partner, it just, it's magical, you know, it's like you're floating on air, and there's no worries in the world that can taint that. Anyhow, so the Kundalini, um, it's the center of you. Um, it mostly comes from your hips. You move those hips, you gyrate them. Um, it shakes up your, your energy. You know, you flow more. You perform better in lots of things. And I've got to say, if you listen to the music, it's really lively, you know, it's, some of it's, yeah, mushy romantic, but it's really lively, it's energetic, and it makes people happy, and you don't have to speak Spanish to understand what it's saying, you can just like the music, and sometimes even the mix of the words, you know, into the music, even though you may not understand, they add to the, the, the essence of it. And it's just like, and you can hear yourself repeating some words. So, doesn't matter what part of the country or the world, there is salsa everywhere. You just have to look for your local place. You might have to drive a little bit, but you can find, a, am sure, a salsa event in Alaska, Minnesota, North Dakota, Miami, New York, of course, um, L.A., even here in the Central Valley, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just an amazing, amazing thing, 
and you know go check it out don't worry about you know needing lessons or whatever um, take a lesson take it slow take it one time and see how it goes you know and just know that you're not going to get it right away but give it a, few, a little bit and some practice and just enjoy yourself and watch the magic take place well that's my little uh, thing on salsa and I'm going to continue in just a moment Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to Goodbyes to Jason B. So I've got an issue that is very controversial. And it was just something I was just reading about. So I'm just going to say, talk about something for many of us that are Latin Americans or Mexican Americans or, you know, mixed. And, um, I was just reading an article about an army veteran who just spent two tours in Afghanistan and screwed up with a felony drug conviction. Felony. Not misdemeanor. He wasn't holding just a, like a couple grams or a blunt or something like that. Felony conviction. Drug conviction. You spend two tours in Afghanistan you're a Mexican citizen trying to become an American citizen and the government that receives your application to become a U.S. citizen and they deny you because you screwed up I don't know how bad to get that felony conviction but it's bad enough and it's specific enough now, I don't like Donald Trump at all, and especially the things what he said about my own people. Yes, my people. I'm second-generation Mexican-American. My grandfather came over here from Mexico and started a family. And let me tell you, that man worked, you know, to the bone, basically, starting out in the fields, then making manhole covers for 30 years, working with steel and soot, had a wife, had five beautiful kids, took care of his family. The only thing he ever did was just drink, but he went to a bar and always watched his P's and Q's. He was always respectful. So my question is, should we feel sorry for that guy being deported after serving two tours in Afghanistan that time in the army being deported to Mexico and being turned over to the Mexican authorities which means he did something even over there too what do you think about that especially now that what's going on you know, like I'm reading these horror stories about these people coming across the border being captured with kids and breaks my heart to hear about that. And then you got dumbasses like this. Yes, yeah, a dumbass. That's what I'm going to call you. You are a pendejo. Yeah, that's right. I called you a pendejo. 
you disgraced your colors, your uniform, the purpose in which you got that uniform to serve so that you can become a citizen. And you go and screw that up and then you put it on the news or you put it in the media and people are supposed to feel sorry for you. As a Mexican-American, that is just shameful. Really shameful. Because people are dying to come here and live and work. And we take it for granted sometimes. Especially for those of us who are citizens or are born here. But I never do. I spent my time in the service I served in the United States Navy and let me tell you there is not one day that goes by that I am not thankful for my where I've come from my parents what they had to sacrifice my grandparents what they had to sacrifice to be a part of this nation our nation isn't always completely fucked up and one man isn't fucking it all up but I'll tell you what If we truly love our country, we should take care of everybody we can. That doesn't mean give a free handout. And this doesn't mean that we should let big corporations run our food, our housing. They run our banking. You know, I was listening to uh, someone else today. I was listening to Larry McGuire and he was talking about one of on his episodes we should uh you know be our own boss or why should you be your own boss basically work for yourself it's a great feeling you know and he's on Ireland um I believe and he's right and it makes me feel so privileged that I have the opportunity as an American citizen to choose what I want to do to choose the career and not be, have it chosen for me and not have a being a slave basically for pennies on the dollar which sometimes it seems like it is but what I want to know is is what do you think of this individual who goes and commits a serious crime gets convicted and on his application to become a US citizen after spending two tours in Afghanistan Let me say, Afghanistan is a lot like Vietnam, I believe. Little less numbers of deaths, but we're not wanted there. We're not needed there. And that man goes and pays a price where he could have almost lost his life. What's your opinion, everyone? Just curious.